Tomorrow we are up to Daf Yud Amel Aleph Matzai Tishabav. We're about nine or ten lines from the top of the page. We were learning four different scenarios of a sukkah beneath another sukkah. Sometimes they're both kosher, sometimes they're both puzzle. Sometimes one is kosher and one is puzzle. You're doing the dishes. And right, if somebody can you please my, uh, mute himself. Avery, turn your mute on. We can hear you arguing with your wife. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay, it makes the share much more interactive and much more alive. <clears throat> okay, anyway, so we, uh, we learned that a sukkah underneath a house, a sukkah under a tree, a sukkah under another sukkah is possible. And, um, and so now the Gemara says as follows. The Gemara is, um, Omar, uh, sorry, about nine lines on the top of the page. Kama yehei. Bain sukkah the sukkah. What uh, gap should it be when we say there's one sukkah beneath another sukkah? And we learned before in the Gemara, how do you know it's possible? Because we, we, we say we look at it the way it's written. It's written by sukkahs and singular. So it should be on, in one sukkah, not a sukkah underneath another sukkah, or a sukkah underneath a house, or a sukkah underneath a tree. Um, so the Gemara says, what should the gap be between one sukkah and another sukkah? And we'll consider it as if it's two separate sukkahs. And the bottom one is puzzle. If you have a gap of a tefach, we know when it comes to the laws of Tumah, if you have a gap of a tefach, it's considered a roof. And therefore, it's as if there are two different rooms here, two different spaces. And it's a sukkah beneath a sukkah. Where do we find a gap of a tefach renders something as a room? She came at tumah. We find this regarding tumah. There's a law by tumah that says that if you have something inside a house, that everything else that shares that same roof also becomes tummy. That's a tumah of an oil. So what should the gap be between that object and the roof before it can transport? that tumah to the rest of the room, it has, there has to be a space of a tefach. So by all the tumah, we know there's a tefach. That's, that's number one. Tanya, we learned tefach al tefach, berem tefach. The dimensions are a tefach by a tefach, the height of a tefach, maybe es ha tumah. It can, it can draw, transfer the tumah from one end of the room to the other, or let's say both them under a board, one end to another end, as long as there's a space of a tefach between the item and the board. So therefore it's considered a ceiling, number one. And number two is the chaitz is bifnei tumah. If there's a corpse inside a room, then above that room, there is no tumah. But if there's less than a tefach space between the body and the roof, then we say the tumah breaks through the roof and it goes up, tumah tzutzah. Ubaikas goes up. We, we learned this in Brachas that all the, um, the coffins they have, the majority of the coffins have a gap of a tefah between the corpse and the lid. But if anything less than a tefah, from the height of a tefah, will not bring the tumor across, nor will it intercept the tumor. So we see that in order to be considered a roof, a space of a, of a room, it has to be a tefah. That's the view of Rabhuna. And they disagree. They say the regarding the laws of Tumah is totally different than the laws of a sukkah. By a sukkah, in order to be considered a, a, a space, it has to be a minimum of four tefachim. On Shabbos, we find 
what is considered a, a significant area that it has the din of a reshus of its own, it has to be a minimum of four tvachim by four tvachim. Now, even though that is horizontal, but we're now going to flip it over and make it also vertical. And we're going to say that as well, vertically, in order for it to be considered a space of its own. So you have a sukkah. If you have two levels of schach, a sukkah beneath a sukkah, there has to be a gap of four tvachim. However, that's opinion number two. Shmuel Amar Shmuel said he believes asara. He believes just like to create a, a sukkah that has to be a height of 10 tfachim, so too to disqualify a sukkah, to consider it one sukkah beneath another sukkah that has to be an area of 10 tfachim above. Says the Gemara, my time of the Shmuel. What is the logic of Shmuel? Just like to kosher a sukkah, you need a minimum of 10 tfachim high, so too to disqualify a sukkah, you need a minimum of 10 tfachim high. Just like to, to qualify a sukkah that has to be 10 tvachim. To disqualify a sukkah, also ba'asara you need 10 tvachim. Says the Gemara Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda, Eimer, Rabbi Yehuda said, we just learned the Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda says, Im ein bel if nobody lives or resides in the sukkah above, then we do not consider it two sukkahs, one beneath the other one. The bottom one is kosher. Now, what do you mean, my ain't the What do you mean, no one lives in the sukkah above? Physically, nobody's using the sukkah above. Then, what's the relevance of the fact that people are in there or not? The question is, it says in the title, sukkahs, you shouldn't have a sukkah beneath another sukkah. It really is irrelevant whether people are residing in this in the upper sukkah or not residing. Elalas, what did Rabbi Huda mean? My ain't the yoyden. What did Rabbi Huda mean when he said that there were no dwellers in the upper sukkah? He meant ko ladira. He meant that if somebody should please um, uh, what do you call? You decide. Good. Uh, so what does it mean? What do you mean? Something which is not suitable to live. Rabbi Yehuda is saying that if the sukkah above is not suitable for residential quarters, for example, it's less than 10 tvachim high, then it's not considered a, a separate sukkah. It doesn't disqualify the one on the bottom. So we see Rabbi Yehuda is the one who says that a sukkah has to be 10 tvachim. Miklal, the Tanakam, who disagrees with him, saw what he would hold. Even if the sukkah is less than 10 tvachim high, still psula is possible. A question on Shmuel. Shmuel said the halacha is only if the sukkah above is 10 tvachim, do we consider it a separate sukkah? And it disqualifies one of the bottom. It seems that is the view of Rabbi Yehuda. But the Tanakhama who argued with Rabbi Yehuda would hold that even if it's less than 10 tvachim high, it qualifies as a second sukkah and it would disqualify the sukkah below. Psula. Says the Gemara, Ki Abdimi, when Abdimi came, Omar, he came along and he said, in Israel in the West, they explain Rabbi Yehuda's view a little bit differently. They say, Im ein When do we consider the sukkah above a sukkah if it can, if, it, if the floor of the above sukkah, which is the, the ceiling or the schach of the bottom sukkah, is strong enough that somebody can actually sit there? But he may not But if the if the schach between the separating the two levels is not strong enough, is not capable of having mattresses and pillows uh, to to be there, 
then it's not considered as if it's a separate sukkah. The one at the bottom is kosher, like one large sukkah. Miklal says the Gemara. So what, if you want to learn that way, so there's no question of you. There's nothing. Not, Shmuel has nothing to do with the height of the sukkah. It has to do with the strength of the sukkah. Says the Gemara. The structure says the Gemara. Miklal. So how would you then understand the Tanakam who argued with Rabbi Yehuda? Would he hold somebody holds Afa Pisha Would he hold that even if the floor of the above sukkah cannot carry a chair or a mattress or anything else? Nevertheless, are you going to tell me that it puzzles the sukkah? It doesn't make sense. It's not really a separate room because it can't have anything. Says the Gemara, I'll tell you what. Where the Tanakh Kama and Rabbi Huda argue is in the following case. In other words, if the sukkah above cannot, the floor is not strong enough to carry anything. There's nothing to talk about. There is no sukkah above. It's just one large sukkah. If the sukkah above is strong enough to carry a mattress and pillows or anything else, it's definitely a separate floor. And you have two sukkahs, one below, one beneath the other one, and the bottom one is no good. We're talking about a case where, you, where, where very difficulty, the great difficulty, you have to balance yourself, whatever, you're able to put mattresses there. Rabbi Yehuda said that's good enough to, that is good enough. Uh, uh, sorry, the Tanakhama said that's good enough to be considered a sukkah. It's a sukkah beneath a sukkah. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, if the only way that he can accept a mattress is through great difficulty, it doesn't count, it's like one large room, and it, and it is kosher, it's like one big sukkah. Now you'll notice the criteria is whether it can carry a mattress or a pillow. The Mardukhai uses this, or the Achreinim explain the Mardukhai. The Mardukhai holds that a sukkah, everyone holds a sukkah has to be kosher in order to be able to live there. According to the Mardukhai, if a sukkah is not big enough that you can sleep inside the sukkah, even though the sukkah is large enough to eat inside, the sukkah is not kosher. Because all the mitzvahs that you're able to do in the sukkah, it has to be able to, you have to be able to fill it in this one sukkah. And the proof is right here. We're saying the criteria is whether it can carry a bed. As if to say, if it cannot carry a mattress or a pillow, it's not a kosher sukkah. But why not? If all I'm going to use is sit there and eat, what do I need to have a mattress and a, pill and, and, and a pillow and all that? There? Doesn't that prove that a sukkah, in order to be kosher, it has to be able to carry everything in there? That's what the Mordechai says. And the Truma Sadeshan, based on that, says, so therefore we can assume from here that a person, it's possible for a person to sleep in a in an area which is basically seven tvachim by seven tvachim wide and, and you know and, and deep, because that's the minimum size of a sukkah. And the Mordechai is saying you have to be able to sleep there. And the Chacham Tzvi totally argues with that. He says, as long as the mitzvah that you want to do, you're capable of doing, that's all that matters. And if you're if you want to eat and you can eat in the sukkah, that's good enough. I the Gemara says here about a mattress, because in those days they used to recline. They didn't sit; they used to lean. So we're talking about a sofa to lean on, not necessarily sleeping. Okay. The 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 Gemara seems to completely originally we talk about a sukkah. The the basic criterion is tinosa now it's like switched over completely. It's forgotten all about that. Now it's talking about different criteria. So it's not the Gemara is not worried at all about the about the amount of sun and light or anything like that. Nothing about the word. Those are the four cases he had on top of the page. Let me the four cases. Pamim that both are kosher and both are not. It's depending if it's if tzilasim chamosa on the top, and then that becomes the kosher sukkah. And the bottom one, if it has its own tzilas, is a problem. But if the bottom one is, is, is Hamasa, then it's it's not a separate sukkah. Of course, that's important criteria. We're assuming that that, that is all correct. Now we're just discussing a, a separate issue. What, what is considered two separate rooms or two separate, you know, one floor on top of the other. Anyway, Shmuel says 10 Mishnah. 
Now, this whole Gemara starting the Testament Bay till Dafiralov, there's a number of arguments, very fundamental arguments in Halacha and Brut and everything else. And the, the famous shit is Rabbi Lutam. Rabbi Lutam's shit comes actually from this Mishnah, and then he explains all the Gemaras before and afterwards. I'll just tell you, let's just see how Rabbi Lutam learned, because it's very important in Halacha. Just before you start, just, just, to, just to again clarify the, 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 the double decked um, sukkah. It, obviously, the bottom sukkah and the and, and the top sukkah, the schach is is on is on separate sides, because presumably, if the bottom sukkah had schach above it, yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. The bottom sukkah is schach above it, and the top sukkah is schach above it. The schach, which is above the bottom sukkah, also serves as a floor for the top sukkah, and therefore we're saying that. That we had all the cases, so we yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. So the bottom sukkah's got two two levels of schach, effectively. Yes, exactly. But if the top sukkah is hamasa marum and it's not really considered a schach, and therefore we look at the bottom one, provided according to Rashi that they're both within twenty amas. But if it's the top one is above twenty amas, then that becomes schach puzzle and it ruins everything. Okay, let's see how the learn our bein tam. Bein tam. Sorry, Mishnah. Peter's, you have a sukkah, you build the, the the structure, the walls, and now you're about to place the cover on it. Pidis Aleha Sadim. You place, you spread out on top of the sukkah um, a, a linen. And why did you put it there? You're putting it there for the sun. You want to protect yourself from the sun. Aleha means that you're putting it on top of the, of the sukkah itself. <clears throat> uh, I'm looking at time now. Oi Tachter, or underneath Mipneha Nesher. You have this chach and you're putting it underneath to catch all the twigs and so on. So this is Rabbeinu Tamlin as follows. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm actually, I jumped my gun, I jumped the gun. Forget Rabbeinu Tam right now. I don't want to confuse you. The Mishnah basically says that you have schach and you're now either putting a, 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 a linen, a sheet above the schach to protect you from the sun or you're putting a sheet underneath the schach to collect all the twigs that are falling down. They shouldn't ruin your food and everything else. So, so you're putting it there to, uh, uh, I guess, for the benefit of the sukkah or of the person sitting in the sukkah. The din is that it's possible because the, the material of the sadin obviously is not kosher l'schach. And therefore, you have here a mixture of schach possible, schach kosher. It's no good. And it is possible. It is possible. <clears throat> now, what Rabbeinu Tam Shitta is as follows. Rabbeinu Tam Shitta is, which is based on the next Mishnah. Rabbeinu Tam Shitta is that if you have kosher schach, proper schach, more shade than sun, and then you have branches of a tree, or then you add postal schach, it doesn't bother us. The sukkah is 100% kosher. I, and even though you learned that Tesla Bays, that if you mix the puzzle and the kosher schach, we got a problem. Rabbeinu Tam says it's only a problem if you don't have sufficient kosher schach for the sukkah and you need to use some of that puzzle schach. That's when it's a problem. But if you have kosher schach in the sukkah and then you just want to add, and then you have branches, it doesn't bother us at all. You have a kosher sukkah. Okay, that's a very big chiddush of, um, of Rabbeinu Tam. And therefore Rabbeinu Tam... So it's like Rabbeinu Tam learns in our mission over here, why is the sadin a problem? It's because we're talking about you don't have enough schach kosher here and you need the help of the sadin to give you the shade. Or the schach kosher is falling apart. The sun is drying it up and soon you're going to have less, less schach than you're going to have, you have less shade than sun. 
So therefore, you need the sadin to protect the schach, not to protect me, to protect the schach to have enough shade. And that's why it's a problem. But otherwise, Rabbi Tom holds, if you have enough kosher schach and you have your cover there for the rain, according to Rabbi Tom, you're sitting in 100% kosher sukkah. Even though it's totally covered with a plastic to keep the rain out. Rabbi Tom says, it's a, as long as you had there initially enough schach to be a kosher sukkah, it doesn't matter. You're sitting in a kosher sukkah. So um, uh, um, that's one, number one. Others disagree with him totally. And, um, and they all learn, obviously, that if you have postless chach above your kosher's chach, it's a problem. Either they say you remove all this chach underneath that and see what's left and, and so on. And they learn that the reason, the problem here with the sadden is simply you're putting the sadden on because you don't want it to be hot. Not, it's not supporting this chach. It's still a problem. You can have plenty of kosher's chach. If you're putting the sadden, it ruins the whole thing. Okay, this is a very fundamental machlekes. Let me continue. Yeah, just Ben, Ben, we're at ten, we're on ten A by the Mishnah. Ten just a. by the Mishnah. On the bottom of the page. And ten A. Yeah, number something. A what? A two, A three. What is it? A three. Ten A three at the. Ten A three. Okay. What happens, you spread out the sheet and you, let's say you have four, you have a bed and you have four legs to the bed and then you added four pillars on all four sides. Sorry? Is Rabbeinu Tam a Lamaisa Shita or is it just a discussion point? He holds a lot of Lamaisa to go in and we don't pass that way we're machmer like the others. Like the others. But some people sit in the rain. They say that if it rains, it's still better to sit in the sukkah with a cover on than sit in your house because according to rain time, you're still fulfilling the mitzvah of sukkah. Okay. Um, the Fadal we sit in the sukkah in the rain without a cover on. Talking about uh, people, even, even though they put a cover on, they'll still rather sit in the sukkah than in the house because according to some, the Goenim, rain time, and others, you're actually fulfilling the mitzvah of sukkah. Is that for Ashkenazim? Because that's what I got at home. I've got a cover. When it rains, you cover the whole sukkah and we don't get out. But I didn't, I didn't think we were doing anything. Now, you know, you're doing something good. But it, it, in Shulchan Aruch, it's actually not brought down that, that you should do that. I'm just telling you that there are those who are machmed to do that. So now you realize you're, you're in tune with Rabbeinu Tam. Okay. If you spread it out on these four posts, you're right, sticking out, and you put it on top of that, it is possible, as we'll soon see. Let's say you're talking about you have a bed inside your sukkah, and you put and you have you have posts on your four ends of the bed, and then you put a, a canopy over that. It's possible because you're not then lying under the schach; you're lying under a roof of an oil. is that if you have instead of four posts on your bed, you have two in the center of each end of the bed, and the head of the bed, and the foot of the bed, and then you have draping down a canopy, which is like um, like a tent which there's no roof there for tefach, and therefore it is still kosher because you don't, you're not like you're lying, you're still lying in the sukkah with a cover. Says the Gemara, it says, let's get back to the first part of the mission by covering the schach. When is it a problem if you're putting the sheet there to catch all the twigs? If you're doing it to beautify the sukkah, some kind of decorated sheet or something, for example, shader is kosher. 
obviously, the problem is that you're putting it in because you want to capture the twigs. So obviously, but if you're doing it for beauty, it's all right. Ma, no, ma, that would have thought, who are you doing for beauty? So why is it mentioned because of the twigs? Generally, that's why you put it across, because you're putting it to catch the twigs and so on, but not necessarily doing it for beauty. But if you do for beauty, it's the same law and it's a problem. No, if you're doing for beauty, it's all right. Let's say, actually, we have a proof supporting this. It says in the Raisa, you put this chachan correctly, the itra, and then you crown it, you adorn it, the kramin, you adorn it with all of these beautiful uh, colored, um, you know, kind of materials. <laughs> and so too, if you put across um, linen, that is, uh, that has all kinds of embroideries on it. You hung up there, nuts, almonds, parsley, peaches, pomegranates, and you have clusters of grapes, and stalks of uh, of wheat, nice wine, shmani, oil, the salsa, the flour, all of these things you're decorating your sukkah with. Also, his topic behind it becomes now muktzah. You now don't have any benefit from it. Ad mitzoy yomtava achron shulchan until the very end of shmini atzeres. And clearly, he talks here about embroidered linen as well, which means he can have that in a sukkah. If you made a condition before Yomtev that you want to use some of the flour or whatever it is you're hanging there, that's not a problem. So what we see clearly from here that you could hang up embroidered linen. So that's clear that if you're doing it in the eyes of a beauty, it's not a problem. Says so no, no proof. Dilma min hatsad. Maybe we're talking of who said over here that you hung it up under the schach. We're talking about over here that you hung it up on the walls. But maybe tak if you hung it up on the schach, it would be a problem because it's not kosher schach. Even if you're doing it for beauty, maybe it's a problem. So you cannot bring a proof from this particular brisa. Says what we learned. No, you things which hang up the sukkah to adorn the sukkah. They they do not have a din of schach. So if your sukkah, for example, is twenty, if your sukkah is twenty amas high and your schach is above twenty amas, the schach is possible. And if you have this embroidery underneath it, it's not going to help. On the other hand, if your sukkah is ten tefachim high. And you have this embroidery underneath it; it's not going to make it any worse because it's not considered. It's not. It's not considered a schach either way. So it doesn't doesn't make any difference in the height. It doesn't take away from the the space of the sukkah. So if you have ten tefachim and then this embroidery goes beneath ten tefachim, it's not a problem whatsoever. <clears throat> That's in the height of the sukkah. Um, so it's um, so it's not considered schach because if it would be considered schach, it's a problem. It's mekabel tumah. It's not considered schach. So, so it doesn't help if it's above twenty and doesn't hurt if it's below ten. Isn't there a problem with sitting under decorations that are below three tefachim below the, the schach? Yes, but I didn't say that. I said we'll soon see the height. Four tefachim. We'll soon see in a second the height. But we're just talking about generally if the sukkah is ten tefachim high. And then you have this embroidery nine tefach, let's say a tefach below, it doesn't it doesn't ruin the sukkah. Remember the, the, the regarding size, the main thing are the width and dimension. The dimensions are the seven by seven. Regarding the height, we said of dealer sukh is uncomfortable if you have twigs there, but having the nice drape doesn't make it uncomfortable. And therefore it would be a kosher sukkah. But when it comes to the dimension seven tefachim, if you hang up an embroidery there and reduces the size, that will render the sukkah possible. We need the full seven tefachim by seven tefachim for a person to be able to sit there. He once had his shirt got all wet in the water. He took it out and he put it on top of the schach to dry. 
I want you to remove it. I don't want people to say, Of course, you're not using it right now for because it's everyone knows that's Makabotumah. Even when we're not sitting there, don't let it hang there because people are going to start saying they're going to accuse us of using this um this uh, your, your closet as part of us. Says the Gemara Everybody can see that it's wet. So obviously you're just putting it there to dry. So he meant, meant as soon as it dries, even though nobody's sitting in the sukkah, remove it so we don't want people to go around and uh, and alleging that we use this as a sach. Itma, we learned, Itma, we learned, this is what you asked. Uh, if you have noye sukkah, something that beautifies a sukkah, if it's more than four, I don't care. The, I don't care about the distance between the noy and the schach. If it's there to beautify the sukkah, it's good enough. They say that it cannot be more than four tfachim away from the schach. If it is, it has an identity of its own, and therefore it's possible schach and it ruins the sukkah. The Gemara tells a story who both believe it cannot be more than four tfachim. They once came to the house of Gulusa and Ginhu, and they, Rab Nachman. They once came to the city of Nachman. Nachman was the head of the Bezin, and uh, and he was very close to Gulusa. Actually, he was the son of one of the Gulusas, but in this one, he was just very close. And Rab Nachman then hosted them, and he put them to sleep in a sukkah, with the sukkah was more than four tfachim away from the, from the schach, and he wanted to observe them. They were quiet, didn't say anything. He said to them, you guys changed your mind. They said to him, We're going to do a mission of Shlich, we're going to do a mitzvah. We're going to mitzvah to visit our Rebbe, the Rej Galusa, and therefore we are exempt from sukkah, so it didn't matter to us. And those who hold that if you're exempt from mitzvah, it's only if it's difficult to do the other mitzvah. As Taser says, it's talking about it was very difficult to find another sukkah. This Gemari here poses a big question on the Nadi Behuda in Chuba 94, where he says that there's no mitzvah to visit your Rebbe today. He said it's ludicrous to say that today there's no mitzvah to visit the Beis Hamidrash, the Ebishter, and yet there's a mitzvah to visit your Rebbe. And he says, no, nowhere does it say there's a mitzvah as man has that to visit your Rebbe. Everybody asks a million questions on him, but one of the questions from right here. Here we're talking about way after the Beis Hamidrash was destroyed, and their excuse was that they were going to visit their Rebbe. So we see clearly from here that there's a mitzvah visiting your Rebbe, even as man has that. So perhaps to answer the name of Yehuda, but Rav Nachman put them to sleep there. How did Rav Nachman put them to sleep there? Because he must have believed that, um, he, and, and he was doing it to test them, to see what they hold. So what was the point of the test? Didn't he know they're going to do a mitzvah, Isaac mitzvah, part of the mitzvah? Obviously, he believed that today, Bizman Hazed, there's no mitzvah of, of, of visiting Yerev. So therefore, he wanted to observe what they would do. Another big controversy here is um, a very famous question. If let's say I don't eat cholavakim, uh, or the way around, let's say I, I don't eat cholavakim and I'm a guest in your house, I do eat cholavakim. Can you serve me cholavakim? For you, it's kosher, let's say. For me, it isn't. Are you allowed to serve me something that for you it's kosher and for me it isn't? Clearly, from the Gemara here, it seems he can. That Nachman felt that this sukkah is kosher. He knew that for the other two, it isn't. And yet he hosted them and put them to sleep in the sukkah that for them wasn't kosher. What right did he have to do that? Isn't that lifnei either? For a blind person, you shouldn't play the stumbling block. So the question is, so does that prove you can do that? So the most of the say no. 
that it's, it's, uh, you shouldn't do that if the other person, for them, it's also you shouldn't do that. And what Rav Nachman argument here was that here Rabbah, Barab Huna and Avchizah could have straight away seen that this sukkah is a problem because you just look up and you can see that the Noya sukkah was more than four twachim away from the schach and therefore they can make their own decision whether they eat it or not. But if I give you food to eat and you have no idea, or let's say you give me food to eat and I have no idea what it is, and you know that I don't eat that kind of food, and you do, then you shouldn't do that. That's with neighbor, or vice versa. If I eat something that you don't eat, I shouldn't feed it to you. Okay, so this is a big controversy as well. Let's continue, Gemara. Um, further. Now we're talking about a bed. We don't say name you're allowed to sleep. You're allowed to sleep in you're allowed to sleep in, in a, a killer is like a killer's chasanim, which is a, 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 like a honeymoon bed. In a bed, you have two posts in the head and the toe, and the toe, and you have a drape that comes down, but the drape is like on a slope. There's no roof, there's nothing flat there, it just comes straight down. Uh, so you're allowed to sleep in a killer in a sukkah. We don't treat it as if you're sleeping under a roof, you're sleeping under the schach. But this view holds, even though it might have a flat part of that roof, the width of a tefach. So therefore it has a roof, but if it's less than 10 tefachim higher than the bed, it's considered like part of the bed. If it would be taller than 10 tefachim, then we'd have a problem. It would like be, you're like you're sitting, you're sleeping in an oil, which is inside a sukkah, and there'll be a problem. But here, even though there's a roof, but it's less than 10 tefachim. Taking my touchback, I'm in here. If you're sleeping in a kill in a sukkah, it says clearly, but if you're sleeping in a kula, you're not yotze. So we can make a distinction. I just told you that if, since it has a roof, if it's above 10 tfachim, it's considered as if you're sleeping underneath a roof, a cover, which is inside a sukkah. So you're sleeping not under the schach, you're sleeping under a cover, if it's 10 tfachim high, because it has a roof. Maybe I'll ask you a question. A roof means because it's flat, uh, the width of a tefach. I'll ask you a question. It says later on in Mishnah, um, Someone sleeps under a bed, but sukkah and sukkah. If you're sleeping underneath a bed, underneath the bed, that on top of bed, you're not yaitze. So why not? Why aren't you yaitze? You just said that if it's less than ten it's not a problem. Who said the bed was less than ten fachim from the ground? If the bed is above ten fachim, it's a rishus for itself. It's its own domain, like Shmuel said before. And therefore, you are not sleeping inside a sukkah. You're sleeping under a bed. Toshma coming here, it says the Braisa Oichet Pires Agabi Kenaitis. It says the Braisa follows. Now, what happens that if you spread it out over uh, a Kenaitis of a bed, Psula is possible. So we see again that it's possible. Again, we are talking about that is 10 Tfachim high. Again, it's talking about 10 Tfachim high. Says the Gemara. Well, like Tani Hachi, we did not learn this way. The Tanya, we learned the Bible as follows. Naklitin. What's Naklitin? Naklitin the Shnaim. You have two posts on both ends of the bed. And what is a Kanaifus? A Kanaifus is above four posts. Peter's Agabe Kanaifus, if you spread out a sheet over the four posts, Sula, it is possible because he's not sleeping inside a sukkah, he's sleeping underneath a canopy. But if you put it on top of the two posts, then is kosher. But provided that the canopy by the naklitin is not above ten tefachim. So we see that the naklitin is below ten tefachim. 
And the kinefus is below 10 fachim, because the contrast is between the two. And it says clearly here that even though the kinefus is below 10 fachim, it is disqualified. You can't sleep there. And you just said before that if you have a canopy, even though there's a roof, if it's below 10 fachim, it's all right. How is that different than a kinefus? Miklal de kinefus, the four posts, alpha pisha ingabans are not for not 10 from is is all right. Says the Gemara, kinefus is very different than what we talked about, Akila. Kinefus having the four posts is much more permanent. Shiny kinefus the kri. Kinefus is different because it's much more permanent. And because it is much more permanent, therefore, if you even though it's less than 10 fachim, it's like you are sleeping not inside a sukkah, but inside this canopy. But a killer is much more temporary. Says the Gemara, what are you talking about? About his sukkah, Gabi sukkah, the Kriya, a sukkah above a sukkah, which is quite permanent. And nevertheless, you need 10 fachim before it renders a puzzle. How come over here by Kenefis it says less than 10 fachim? It's puzzle when it, and you told me that what? Because it's more permanent. A sukkah on top of a sukkah does not disqualify the bottom sukkah unless the top sukkah is 10 fachim high. Otherwise, it's not a problem. So we see even something which is permanent is not considered a separate uh, space unless it is 10 fachim high. So you know, there's a difference. Over there, you have a kosher sukkah. And you want to disqualify it because you have something above it. Then that thing above it has to be 10 fachim to disqualify it. Here, we're talking about you lying in bed and you have a canopy, a separate canopy over the bed to be considered that separate canopy. Forget it. We're not trying to disqualify the sukkah. The sukkah is still standing. The sukkah is still a kosher sukkah. The problem is your bed. Your bed might be separated from the sukkah because you have its own, it has its own canopy, it has its own cover. To create your own setting, if there's a permanent sense of nature to it, then even though it's less than the vachim, it is, uh, it is an oil and it's a problem. I'm talking about a kila, I'll tell you another halacha. If you're sleeping inside this kila and you happen to be naked, then there's two problems. One problem is when you're naked, that you cannot say Shema because your heart sees your male parts. And there's another problem, which is that your eyes shouldn't see the male part. Taisa says, for whatever reason, we're not discussing the problem here about the lev, we're talking about the problem of your eyes. So if you stick your head out the wind, out of the bed, outside of the canopy, you're lying there naked, top pajamas, and you want to reach Ma, you extend your head outside the Kila, the Kaira Krishma, and you can read Krishma. Says the Gemara, okay, you can read Krishma. I'll ask a question. No, that's as if, that it's as if like you have a cover over you, and therefore your head is separated from the rest of your body. I'll ask a question. If you're lying in a Kila, which is when you're naked, don't stick your head out and read Krishna because it doesn't help. Because your head follows the rest of your body. It's like they're all in one place. So it depends. You know, we're talking about if it's 10 fachim high, so therefore it's considered a house of its own. So even though you stuck your head out the window or outside of it, your head follows the rest of your body and therefore you cannot reach ma. But if it's less than 10 fachim, then we treat it like it's a cover and your head is outside the cover and it's all right. And how can I mistake? I'll prove it to you. It makes sense. When Tony it says, "Safe in the end, hollow as a diamond compared to lo'aim bit b'ba'is adam." You're standing in a house naked. So lo'yaiti lo'yichutz l'chalain. Don't stick your head out the window. The yikra krishma and your re krishma. 
and you read Kishma. So clearly we're comparing it to a house. So it must be that it's 10 Tfachim Haish. Mami, no, it's a good proof. Ubayis, Nami, in a house also. Afa Pisha Enkavoya Sodom. And then um, a house is a little bit different. A house, even though it's not 10 Tfachim high, Kivan the Kviya Oyaluhu. When it comes to a house which is even more permanent than what we learned till now, there, even if it's less than 10 Tfachim high, it's considered. Um, an oil, uh, it's an oil. The It's no worse than kenefis, um, and therefore it's uh, what do you call? And, and therefore you cannot stick your head out the window because it's as if your head is part of your body and it's all there. So there are different degrees of of fixtures. So a bias, even less than ten tefachim, is a bias in this respect. When it comes to kenefis, it's less. When it comes to kill, it's even less, and so on. So that is one lashon de gemara. And that ends the shear of Shabbos.